Today is Palm Sunday. So if you didn't know, this is when Jesus was celebrated coming into the city of Jerusalem when he was here on this earth. And so we're going to learn from that season how we can introduce people to the God of change. And we're concluding our series today, so you can take out your notes with me. And we're going to be talking about how we introduce people to this God of change. And God is the one who can bring change to our lives. That's what the Bible tells us, that God came to bring change. But he isn't a God who changes. He brings change. We understand that while God's character never changes, his methods in dealing with us or his methods in, in communicating to us or, or his methods of reaching us, that may change. Technology will change and he'll even use technology to reach people. And although we are here on this earth and, and his methods may vary in reaching us, he never changes. We're the ones who really change. And the Bible says we go from glory to glory. So even though we change, we can change for the worst or we can change for the better. And God wants to bring change in our lives that are for the better. As the Bible tells us in Psalm 102, this has been our, our scripture throughout this series. And if you're just joining us today or if this is your first time, we want to say welcome. And we're so grateful that you can be here. And we're in this series talking about the God of change because Psalm 102 tells us this. And we can read this together. We've been kind of doing this for the past weeks. And we're going to read it together, Psalm 102. It's in your notes or up here on the screen, verses 25 through 27. Let's read it together. You ready? Go. Long ago, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them. But you are always the same. You will live forever. And in Hebrews 13, 8, which is up here, our denomination Foursquare, uh, this is our scripture for our denomination. We're going to read this together. Ready? Go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he never changes. But we go through changes. Next week is Easter, and many people will be invited to come and hear about the hope in Jesus Christ. So we're going to learn why we introduce people to the God of change and, and how to do that. Because some of us, we need help with doing that. We don't know how to introduce people to the God of change or introduce people to Jesus Christ. Some years ago, I had the opportunity of meeting this famous person. And my brother called me and he said, hey, I'm, I'm driving a limousine for Michael Jordan. And I told him about your artwork, so could you make an art piece for him and then you can meet him. And give the shirt to him. I said, wait, M Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, basketball player. He said, yeah. And this is when they were winning all their championships in the 90s. So I said, yeah, I would love to meet him. He said, all you have to do is make a shirt for him and then uh, come meet him at the hotel and driving for him. And I told him about it. So, yeah, you can come and meet him. So I was all super nervous. I was thinking, I'm going to meet Michael Jordan. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? What am I going to ask him? We take pictures, autographs. We never had, you know, phones with that you could take pictures with, so we had to bring our, own, our camera with us. And so we're all excited, and we're thinking how we're going to do this. So we get to the hotel, and Michael Jordan had already left to the airport. And my brother said, he just left to the airport, let's go follow. And so we jumped into our car, and we're following them, and we caught up with them, because I wasn't driving, so whoever was driving was speeding, but wasn't me. And so we caught up with them, and we're right behind the limousine. 
And we followed him all the way to the airport. Now, this is before, you know, September 11, 2001. So airport security wasn't as what it is today. So we parked on the side, curbside. And then Michael Jordan got out of the limousine. And here we are, like, starstruck. You know, here's the famous one. He's there. It's Michael Jordan. And so I walked up to him, and I had the gift, and I walked up to him. And, and my brother said, oh, Michael Jordan, this is my brother Sheldon. And I said, hi. <laughs> he, he took it on. It was a T-shirt that I made, you know, half Chicago Bull and half Michael Jordan face. So it was like, you know, the Terminator, that movie that you guys saw. I, didn't, I did see it. So it was, it was half and half. And so he looked at it, and he said, wow. And I'm just standing there. And frozen. Like, I don't even know what to do, what to say. I didn't even shake his hand. And I'm just watching him. And then he has to go. And I'm thinking, I should have at least get something, like autograph anything. I, I didn't know what to do. So Heidi says, did you get an autograph or anything? I said, I didn't get anything. She goes, go at least get an autograph or picture or something. I was like, you guys didn't take pictures. Just snapshot, just paparazzi, just anything, just something. Just go in the bushes and just take pictures. And he said, no, we're just, he's, he's in the back already. So we waited for him to come out, but his flight was already there. I guess they had a private plane there. And so when he came out, we're thinking, okay, this is our opportunity. But then other people came. And then they asked for his autograph, and he had to leave. And he was so gracious. He said, I'm so sorry. I really need to get going. And so he went, and I said, see, good thing we never asked for the autograph because we would have got shut down like those people. So we're fine. And then he left. And when I, when I left there, I thought, I, I didn't do what I thought I was going to do. Didn't get his autograph. I didn't get a picture with him. I, I just met him. And I thought, I wonder if that's how people are when it comes to God. When people come to God or the subject of God comes up, I wonder if there's a lot of nervousness that takes place or, or maybe even some unsure unsureness of, of who they are or what they should say or does God accept me? Am I worthy? And I think we all, we all have maybe met someone that is famous or a celebrity or someone that uh, kind of makes you nervous or maybe you've introduced people to someone. I, I think we've all been in a situation like that. But I wonder how many of us have ever introduced people to God. And if so, how did that go? What was that like? You know, today I hope and pray that we would, we would begin to understand that God looks to us as change agents to bring change into this world by introducing people to the God of change. The Bible talks about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and I'm going to read in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But the book of Matthew, it, it, it paints the picture of what happened when Jesus came into Jerusalem that week before he went to the cross, or the week of when he died on the cross, it says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. 
All of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before them and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And so the people were wondering, okay, who is this guy? And some people were skeptical. Some people believed in him. Some people, they just rejected him. And Jesus understood that. But this one act of Jesus coming in on the donkey, that one act was Jesus' call, risk, and moment to say, there is no turning back from going to the cross. Because the prophetic word was given that the, the king of Israel is going is to come riding on the donkey. And as Jesus did that, he proclaimed that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. Which Jesus knew the religious leaders would be against that. And they didn't understand. They were blinded by the law. They couldn't see what God was doing, but God sent his one and only son so that anyone who believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so now Jesus comes in. That one act was the one act that started the religious leaders to say, we, we can't have this. This guy needs to be put to death. And Jesus died for all the sins of the world. He was that sacrificial lamb, the one that came to set us free from our sins. That's why we celebrate today. That's why we celebrate Easter. Because Jesus came to die for us. All of us have the opportunity to introduce people to Jesus Christ, to the God of change. That's what the city did. That's what the multitudes did. When people asked, who is this? They said, that's Jesus. See, the people that surround you, where you are in your workplace, your community, wherever you are, your workplace or in school, they're asking those questions. They're saying, well, who is this Jesus? Who is this God who can bring change? And when you introduce people to God, it can seem religious to some people, but he brings change. And we understand God as a relationship more than a religion. Basically what you're doing, you're, you're just showing people through your lifestyle our heavenly father. That's what you're doing. You're just, you're just saying to people, this is my father in heaven. This is who he created me to be. As Matthew 5, 14 through 16 tells us that you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And let's read this part together. Ready? Go. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, when you introduce people to the God of change, what you're doing is you're not just telling them about God or inviting them. You're actually showing them. You're showing them the love of God. In fact, we're going to look at three simple ways how we can do that. Here's the first thing. You can write this in your notes if you're taking notes. Practice acts of love. Just practice 
acts of love. Now, what is love? What, what, how can we describe love? Is, is love that, that ooey-gooey feeling you feel in junior high when you meet that girl or guy? What, what is, that, is that that feeling you get when you meet someone new and you're in a relationship? What, what is love? Well, the Bible says it like this. 1 Corinthians 13, verses, verses 4 through 8. The Bible says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. However, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. The Bible gives us like a list on what love looks like. And although there are emotions attached to love, love is basically a choice we make and an action that takes place that is biblical. The Bible tells us what love is. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And some of you may have read that. It's really good for your marriage. And I want to pass this on to you because it, it helps us to understand how we can receive from each other when it comes to love. And so you might find yourself in one of these five categories of the five love languages. And you might find out that, wait a minute, no wonder my spouse, she doesn't receive from me in this kind of way. She has a different love language. I thought it was this one or vice versa with your husband. So the first love language that many of you would be able to relate, relate to is words of affirmation. That when, when your spouse or someone gives you words of affirmation, like, good job, well done, you look great today, good job on your reports, or whatever it is, th that just builds you up. It just makes you feel so good. That's you, your love language is words of affirmation. It picks you up and builds you up. So that's the first one. The second love language is acts of service. That when someone does something for you, it just melts you. Like wives, when your husband washes dishes, and if your love language is acts of service, when your husband is washing dishes, you're like, that's the sexiest man in the world. Right there. And that's how you feel because that's your love language. Because it's acts of service. You, 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 you love it when they do house projects or you love it when they're helping. You know, that's your love language. For some of you, when someone does an act of service, it just speaks to you and it lifts you up. So the third one is receiving gifts. That's your love language. Thank God that's not Heidi's love language in receiving gifts because I would be broke. But receiving gifts is a love language. Some of you, you love receiving gifts. And your husband or your spouse would, your, your uh Someone in your family, maybe a child, will give you a small gift, and you just love receiving gifts. That's your love language. Or when someone just writes you a card and, and puts a small gift in there, it just means so much to you. Others, if that's not your love language, they'll give you a gift, and you'll be like, oh, cool, thanks, huh? And that's it. Others are, oh, this is so good, so precious. I love these. This is so great. And you don't understand. How can you be so, like, enamored by that? But that's their love language. And then the fourth one is quality time. 
that you don't care what you're doing or where you are. You just love being together. That's your love language. You love spending time together. Quality time, that's your love language. And then the fifth one is physical touch. Holding hands or hugging. You just love physical touch. That's a part of love, your love language. So when you're talking to people, people uh, that you're close to, uh, people that you have a, a strong tie with or friends, you always hit them. You're always whacking them. And, and sometimes even in families, you bite one another. You just, you just hug each other. Ah, ah, and then you take a bite out of their shoulder. Like, ow, but that's your love language. Your love language is pit bull. So these are just different love languages. So practice your love language at home. Practice that at home. Figure out what everyone's love language is in your home. Just find that out. And then practice acts of love, starting in your own home, in your relationships. And then you can, it'll broaden out. It'll go to work where you can see that coworker. oh, their, their love language is affirmation. But be careful because for male and female, it can get a little messed up. Because if their love language is affirmation and that person is not receiving that at home and you're the one giving that, it can go wrong. So you want to be wise at your love language and practice that at home. But then you also want to encourage other people. You want to build them up and let the Lord move through you in that way. Just practice acts of love. The second thing we can learn is to accept people as they are. That's what Jesus did. When he came into Jerusalem and when the people saw him and they shouted to him, Hosanna, he just accepted people as they were. Because he knew that even though they may be going through a season or two, that he could bring them love, he could bring them hope, that he could love people past their flaws. And so can we. Keep loving them with the love of Christ. Even when people irritate you or push your buttons, you can still love them with the love of Christ. Even though you may not hang out with them or, you know, those who you have a hard time with, you don't hang out with them, you can still love them. And it might be from a distance, but you can still love them. You can still accept them. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. See, we can't change people. We can't give people the kind of rest that only Jesus can bring, but we can introduce them to Jesus. And when they come to him, he gives them rest. Let the Lord change us. Let the Lord change people. He'll do a much better job than you and I could ever do in someone else's life. He'll, do, he'll bring a great change. As Romans 15, 7 tells us, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. See, when people come to know Jesus Christ and there's a life change, isn't God glorified? Don't we say to one another, wow, what a big change in that person's life. People may say that about you. Why? Because they've seen, you be tra- they've seen the transformation that took place And then they're saying, wow, God, you did a great thing, that God is glorified in all of that. Normally, we try to change people to fit our needs, but the Lord says, no, no, just accept them as they are. And let me do the changing so that I may be glorified. Accept people as Christ accepted them, not so that we can change them, but so that God can do a mighty work in their lives. Yeah, but what if they're, like, living in sin? What if they're doing bad things? Well, we all do bad things. Yeah, but what if I don't accept what they're doing? 
The Bible never said condone their sin or accept what they're doing, but you love them. You throw out the garbage, but you love them. When my one-year-old grandson comes up to me and says, Papa, and he made a mess in his diaper, I accept him and I throw out the junk. I don't say, no, man, you stink, so I ain't going to change you. I ain't changing you. No, too bad. Too bad. You made the mess. Too bad. No, I love him, so I accept him. Use seven baby wipes and a whole box of powder, and then he's good to go. But somebody has to accept him. Somebody has to bring him in, to love him, to change him. And that's what God does. God says, I accept everyone. I throw out the junk. I'll take care of that. And even with us, we may not accept what they do, but we accept them, and then we introduce them to the God of change. Yeah, but what if they're a believer? Good question. Romans 14.1 tells us, accept other believers, or accept other believers who are weak in faith. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. In other words, you're going to have even believers who are not strong yet in their faith. They're still building up their faith. They're still learning about Jesus Christ and the Bible and, and walking a lifestyle that's pleasing to God. It takes time. It says, no, love is patient. So be patient with them. Accept them. They're weak right now in their faith. You don't need to argue with them about right and wrong. They're going to be okay. They're going to grow in their faith as you walk alongside of them, introducing them to me. And here's the last thing, number three. And this is very practical. Invite people to church. Wait, invite people to church? Why, why church? Why can't I just love them and then that's it? Well, Jesus gave an idea of this thing we call church. And sometimes we mistake church as a service or something we do, but church is something we are. That Jesus created this idea of us gathering together to worship him and read scripture together so that we would be encouraged and find hope in him. Revelation 22, verse 17, it tells us, the spirit and the bride say, come. Now, who's the bride? The bride is the church. That's the bride of Christ, the church. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. See, it is the Spirit of God and the bride of Christ, the church, that team up and bring others to hear the word. That's how faith is built. We hear the word of God together. We encourage each other. We build each other up. Romans 10, 17 tells us that, and we're going to read this together. Ready? Go. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Yeah, we all need to hear the word of Christ in order for our faith to be built up. That's why we invite people to church. That's why we have these invitation cards in your bulletin. We want to give you a tool so that you can hand these out to people. By the way, next week as we celebrate Easter, our, our second service is at 9 o'clock. But for some of you, still come at 8.45, then you'll be here at 9 o'clock. So 7, 9, and 11 is our service times for next week. And you can just take this and invite someone to church so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you might give them one and say, oh, I wanted to invite you to church. 
And they're going to say, where is it? Oh, at New Hope. Uh, they're they're going to say, oh, you know what? I already attend the church. You say, oh, okay, that's fine. And encourage them to invite other people to their church. Why? Because they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's where we want people to go. Even if it's not this church. If they go to another church, thank God that more people are coming to know him as Lord and Savior. But if they say, I don't have no place to go, you might be the only invitation that they've been waiting for. They don't know where to go. And with technology today, even with all the information we have, it's going to take one relationship at a time to reach people for Jesus Christ. And you might be that one person that can help them understand that there is a God who loves them. See, our faith is being built up by hearing the word of Christ. And we are the ones that partner with God in his attempt to reach lost people or people far from God. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4, through 4, it says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one, who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who, has e- who is eternal life. He was with the Father. And then he was revealed to us. And he says again, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy. And what John was saying is, you go invite people, but invite them to gather together, to fellowship with us, so that they would share a part in the joy that we have in the Lord. As Nehemiah 8.10 tells us, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. People need strength in this world. They're operating on just pure adrenaline and just goals. They set goals and they say, I'm going to attain that, but they come up empty and they have no more strength left. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what happened to the people when Jesus came in to Jerusalem. That's why we celebrate Palm Sunday today, because Jesus came to bring us hope. And the people of that city were moved and they asked, who is this? And so the multitude introduced Jesus to the city of Jerusalem. I say, let's do the same thing to our city. Let's invite people and introduce people to the God of change. Many of us, we're a part of reaching people. And we're a part of that small percentage that will go out into the world and reach others for Christ. And think of creative ways, how we can reach people for Jesus Christ. Some of you, it'll be a simple invitation. Some of you, it'll be through a family gathering. Some of you, it may be through email or text message. Or, or maybe someone is just down and out and God put them on your heart and you're going to give them a phone call and say, hey, I want to invite you to our Easter service next week. Just think of creative ways. In fact, in our Foursquare missions, we have a, a, a church in Kenya that reaches people in such a way that they come to know Jesus Christ. And it's a creative way. And some of you contribute to our missions. In fact, today is our mission Sunday, and it happens to fall on Palm Sunday. But this is when we give to our missions. And some of you, God put it on your heart to say, I want to be a part of this. And for some of you, if God has not said to give uh, for our missions, then don't worry about it. We don't want you to feel pressured by any means. But this, 
this uh, church in Jacaranda, Kenya, uh, East Africa, which is south of Ethiopia, has such a creative way of reaching people for Jesus Christ. And so we're going to take a look at how they do this, and then we're going to receive this special offering and then conclude our service. We want to take a look at how they reach people for Jesus Christ. Let's watch this. With Kenya having a population of 40 million people, we have 60% or even more living in slums. The name Jacaranda itself, it's the name of a tree. So Jacaranda's ministry is this whole tree planted with Christ being the center of it all. And then we have very many branches. It's a holistic ministry. We care for the whole person physically through Jacaranda Care, the church that brings to life the transforming word of, of Christ, Jacaranda Creations that gives them something to work with their hands to put food on the table. We have Jacaranda Kids that handles the sponsorship to have these kids go to school to acquire knowledge. So really, Jacaranda is alive. It's a person, I, could say. I wish I could call it a person. So we come in with a basic need, let's say food. That's when you introduce Jesus and after that you get to know what can they do? What are the, some of the skills they can learn? Teach them a skill. So they learn this skill, and after learning this skill, they're able to get money out of it. Money that will be able to feed them, pay rent, and even buy clothing for them. Then for the children, we also pray and get a sponsor for the child. And so here we have a child in school, a woman who's being transformed spiritually and also is being empowered financially. As you teach one lady, encourage a lady to teach another lady. It's one person reaching another with a little that you have to bless them and to bring them in so that the cycle continues and one person is able to reach another and before you know it, the whole community is being transformed. Supporting these people is like raising a nation one step at a time. For something to grow, for a tree to grow, it needs all this kind of nourishment. Without this kind of nourishment, it withers. And we need them not to wither. We need them to be strong. Because we are tapping from them. Me sitting here is one of the fruits of tapping from them. And if we can have another me and three motions and another four mamsaras, you can just imagine how communities can be transformed. I am so honored to say that we are part of that small percentage that give towards our Foursquare Missions International, where churches like these can continue because of your giving. And lives are being changed because together as the body of Christ, we introduce people to the God of change in creative ways. And these are just some of the ways that you too can reach people for Jesus Christ. I want you to take out your, your cards from your bulletin. And I, I want you to understand what, this, what these cards represent. In fact, our graphics team, they just did an outstanding job with putting this together. And it takes time. It takes time for us to put this together. It took them a while just to think through what wording were, was going to be put on it, the graphics, the colors, the sizing, and everything. And so 
we want to do things well so that when you hand these out to people, they can receive it. And so I want us to pray over these cards as we conclude, as well as pray over our missions giving. And this would be a simple way for us to partner together. And uh, we passed one out yesterday, and, and the girl didn't know what to do. She was like, where, where did I put it? Uh, we told her to fold it. And she says, but it's so nice. Well, we created a small little line here where you can just fold it on that line. There's no, you know, it's not perforated or anything. But you can just, when you give it to them, if they need to fold it, fold it for them. And just say, now you can put it in your purse or your pocket and it will be a reminder of our Easter service. And so we're going to bow our heads for a moment, if you would. Just hang on to these cards. Hold these in your hands for a moment as we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, first of all, for the gift that you have given all of us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for these invitation cards, Lord. We pray your blessing over these cards that as we think about the people we're going to give this to, that you would press upon our hearts that this might be the only invitation that they receive to be introduced to you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would put people on our hearts, that we would be, we would be the ones that bring this change into the people's lives. Not so that we change them, but that you can bring a great change for the better. I pray that you would give us vision for creativity and how we can reach people for you. As well as those who may own businesses or they can take stacks and place it at their table front or wherever they are. That they would be able to reach people for you. That we would take stacks and put it in our cars so that when we go shopping or we visit people, that we would have these cards ready and available to hand out. We pray over these cards that it would be a tool used by you in whatever way you choose, so Lord. We want to be creative with it. We want to introduce people to the God of change. We pray over this missions offering that as we give to you, that you will continue to reach people that are far from you. We want to partner with you in introducing people to you, even as far around the globe, in Kenya, different parts of Europe, in Asia, Japan, Australia, all over the world, Lord, even in our very own city. We ask that you would take these gifts and use it so people can find you in various ways. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to give to you as well as play a part in being change agents in this world to practice acts of love, to accept people as they are, to invite them to church so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Even though we may be nervous, may we point them to the famous one who is able to do far exceedingly more than we could ever possibly imagine. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.